Hello everyone, welcome back. You are tuning in to the I Get Buckets podcast. My name is Simon Harricks, I am your host as always, and we are looking at doing episode two of what is the fantasy recap, looking towards season 22-23 of NBA basketball. So episode one in the can, I hope everyone got a chance to listen and, and get up to speed about what we're doing here. Um, as a quick recap, this is um, a bit of a summary of the team that had picked second in our draft. The Cougars League, it's a 10 team draft. We do snake format and I'm going to be projecting uh, forward on every single pick that the team made here from 1 to 15. I'm thinking about you know how they're going to go this season, uh, any sleepers, any deep dives, uh, any good picks, any ones that have a little bit more of question marks over them, um, reflect back to my big board and maybe uh, just add some kind of uh, interesting uh, notes or things to kind of watch as we go into the season. So um, it's going to be fun. The first one was really cool. Um, again, <laughs> everything that I say here is just, you know, my opinion. I wouldn't take anything um, kind of for granted uh, based on what has happened for the last, you know, two seasons now. So um, I guess we are, you know, five days, I think, removed from the draft. So uh, still quite fresh and everything kind of settling down. Um, we are slowly getting increased information on players on the ESPN website, mainly due to media days happening and players actually having to kind of front um, you know, questions about their health and their, their off-season preparation and things like that. So we will, you know, throw a few of tidbits in there as they come up if it becomes relevant to the players that we're, we're talking about. But um, pretty much I think we're going to get stuck in and churn these out. Um, so we get uh, an overview of all 10 teams before I tip off on the 20th of October, uh, which is just around the corner. So um, heading straight into it now, the team with pick number two, always one to kind of throw a new team name straight away after the draft, always <laughs> one to get around and maybe squint a little bit about exactly what this team name is and what does it mean and where does it come from. But Dame Giannis, spell your name. Um, I'll let you kind of give, you know, let it settle and give some of the thoughts and stuff. I think off the top, maybe more straightforward than we've usually been expected, but still, you know, one that's that, that that's fun and <laughs> interesting to kind of look at a little bit, but um, I get it. I get it. Um, it kind of really shows us where he's kind of gone in the direction of the first two picks and much like Nicole Jokic, not much to be said for him. I think there's really nothing to be said about Giannis Antetokounmpo at pick two. Um, it's a nice pick to have this year, the two. No no problem, no thought process needed. And you get you don't have to do the double pick, which I think is a, a handy thing to kind of come around on the bend. So, you know, Giannis is the obvious one here. If he wasn't going one, he was going two. Um, he props up your team in a way that I think our coach Jesse probably hasn't, um, you know, had someone of this like all-star amazing kind of quality in the past um, outside of, I think, Luca maybe a couple of years ago. But... Um, I think, you know, it's just easy, done, winner. The next one that I think is more interesting and the other one that does pop up in his team name, Dame. Um, so that's obviously Damian Lillard. We're looking at pick 19 now, all the way back on the swing. An interesting one. I guess the curious thing around the ESPN website for those who noticed is that they kind of had a, a standard set of rankings for all players that were the auto draft rankings that were updated like a week before 
we started, um, well, we did our draft, and Damian Lillard, I think, was one that went from like 30 to a top 10 pick based on updated rankings and projections or whatever they, you know, using their algorithm. He has always been, you know, one to be very reliable. Obviously, you know, top six, top five MVP candidate for a couple of years where Portland were making, you know, conference finals. He's the dude. He's amazing. You know, his minutes played is always, you know, 35 minutes upwards. Um, the thing is, obviously, last year he only played 29 games. Uh, you know, very, very low mark. And I think the expectation is otherwise, you know, he's back to, to form and he's playing and, and you bank on him at this point. But, you know, there is that concern that, you know, the back is is something that's been bothering him for a while. And, you know, going in, I think maybe the days of, you know, expecting 75 plus games from him as an automatic is not there. You know, I was curious about him last year um, and where he'd kind of go. And I, I had him pegged around this kind of back end of the second round. And I think it's interesting for me that even with, you know, him only playing the 20 five 29 games 29 games last year that he's still you know getting drafted in the same position because I had him a, a little bit lower just because I thought there was you know people around that I would feel a lot more comfortable you know banking on um so that's why I had him at 32 on my board but that's not to say that you know he's he's gonna not perform to the level of a second round player I think if anything if he's fit and if he's healthy the usage is going to be you know insane obviously Portland have kind of rejigged things and and CJ McCollum's not there that's probably you know a a good thing I think in terms of them leaning on him on him for scoring um and just be a little bit worried about you know the age and the health and getting up there on if he's someone that you can really kind of um throw your your carriage onto to kind of lead you as a you know, top 20 player these days. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, Paul George, I guess the interesting one with him is he's, he's in the similar group of when I went to go rank him, you do their averages and they're, you know, super healthy. We just said Damian Lillard, he averaged 25.5 last season, only in the short amount we saw him. But then Paul George again, 27.8. Um, super amazing average. But out of all the players I've got in my top, 50, Kyrie Irving is the only other one that scored less than a 1,000 points last year. Obviously, he missed a lot of the season. But, you know, Kyrie Irving still scored more than Damian Lillard, and he scored three points less than Paul George. So that's how much of the season Paul George missed as well. Um, I think the Clippers are going to be really good. Kawhi is back, which makes it a question mark next to, like, What's the issue? Is we haven't really seen the best of you know them together playing. I think he's a stud. I like the pick in a general vacuum of saying um, Paul George is a third rounder. When you say you know he's pick twenty two, um, the quality of players that are still on the board, you know, I feel like he could have gone a little bit younger. I don't like the coupling of Paul George with Damian Lillard. I guess, you know, I feel like I would have loved to kind of risk one of these two. Um, but kind of getting them both together, you're doubling down and saying, oh, okay, other guys are going to let these, you know, people slip because, you know, of injury. But I know that they're the quality of, you know, uh, all NBA, you know, second team um, kind of guy, all-star, real, you know, solid track record. They're going to, um, together with Giannis kind of, 
form a core of a really kind of competitive team. And I, I wouldn't go against that logic. Um, I had Paul George ranked 31. I think in my mind, I was just thinking um, going a little bit safer and younger to kind of form a little bit of a, a core is is the smarter option to go. But, um, you know, got to risk it and just double down with both Lillard and George. It's, um, it's you know, there's nothing to say. It's, it's not the right move for him going forward to... To make sure that okay, I, I don't want to just make up the numbers. I want to, you know, be right there to win it. And what happens, or the way I do that is, you know, guys like Lillard and George become, you know, the the back end of a top, you know, first round player, which is what they kind of were doing a couple of seasons ago, at their best when they're healthy. So, you know, I think it's really a bet on health um, there more than anything. Um, but yeah. Looking forward now, and I guess it's interesting when I said, you know, the people who are in my top 50 that didn't score a thousand, um, the, you know, there was only three names, and they were George Lillard and this other person who was Gary Irving, who is his next pick at 39. Um, the thing is, though, with Gary Irving, the reason why he missed all of those games wasn't because of um, injury, it was because his, you know, inability or or want to get vaccinated. So removing all the the stuff around that is that he's going to be fit, he's going to be playing, um, and he's going to score more than a thousand a thousand this season. And his average, you know, being what it was last year in twenty nine point six, is that there's a really strong argument to say because of the history and because of how last season went, you know, you're getting round three value at the end of round four here with thirty nine. So in in all this kind of said, I do think it's a good pick. I think someone was going to get him very soon. Um, I reckon, again, you're betting on things going okay. And the top four here are a list of known, amazing, you know, solid fantasy players that if everything clicks, it's going to be good. With Irving, obviously, the issues isn't, it's like him being healthy or, or you know, he has had, you know, injuries in the past you know, five seasons, but the the issues are, you know, more mental health and more, um, you know, butting heads with organization. Um, there's nothing to, to, to bet on, you know, 100% that he's going to be with the team and he isn't going to, you know, have some kind of, you know, sub, sub drama or, or do something come up where he's not with the team. That's, I guess, the big risk. That's the issue, you know, is Kyrie Irving going to be 100% with Brooklyn? Is Brooklyn on this path to where everything's kind of okay. Um, who knows? There's there's no kind of guarantee, and that's why I think there was hesitancy to, you know, take him before this point. I had kind of had him below what I would call, you know, l- locked in, rock steady kind of fantasy options. I had him at 46 as you know, a conservative approach to be like super stoked if I get him at that point. Um, and maybe I am off a little bit earlier depending on how things fall. But that was, you know, with the expectation that, okay, 29.6 last year is an average when he's, you know, only playing at the start. These away games, so he's getting extra rest, you know, he's coming in to, to beat on Orlando teams. I think, you know, that's a little bit high for what he, he can actually you know, do over the course of a season for Brooklyn this year. So I think I would temper my expectation with that average slightly um, and then kind of factor in all the drama and all the stuff around him and, um, 
you know, is he better than a player that I had just ahead of him on the rankings, like a CJ McCollum? Yes. Is he better than Fred Van Vliet, two spots ahead of him? Yes. Does that mean that I think he's going to score more than them across the season? Maybe, maybe not. I don't want to, you know, put myself into the drama. Um, I was happy to be like super stoked that Brooklyn go well if they do it um, and not have that extra kind of heartbreak of if it goes to shit, having Brooklyn players on my team. Um, But overall, I think the bet on Kyrie Irving in a contract year as a free agent, he's committed and he needs to assert himself and be the best thing, you know, that he can be this year. And I'm optimistic that... We're going to see that to a point where he pays you back for a late round fourth pick. So I'm pretty happy with that overall. Um, and I'll be riding high if he's doing well. So um, I'm happy you got him, Jesse, and, and we'll be cheering him on as much as a lot of people in the league with good reason don't want to be cheering for Kyrie Irving. Um, I'd be really happy to, to see him in his element, in his bag, doing the things that you know he's best at, and that's playing basketball and getting to the hoop. So fingers crossed. Um, next pick, I think, you know, a few people are a bit down on in terms of Chris Stapp's Porzingis. And I guess it's a ongoing trend of picking guys whose averages, um, are, are really kind of healthy and good and should give you value. You know, his average of 26.5 last year is super duper, um, good. I, you know, had him for last season. I think the trade to Washington is not a, a positive for him overall, but I don't think it, it needs to be like a, a real negative. Um, you know, I don't think that his value in, in that in that trade kind of screamed that he's someone that, you know, teams are going to, you know, build around given the, you know, the assets that were outgoing for, for um, Dallas and for Washington. But watching him, he does still have the unicorn kind of... Um, skill set and parameters as a like a shooting big man i think the post game he's been hammered on there was slight you know growth in that area last year through watching him i think his touch around the basket's really good like he'll shoot his way out of um <laughs> i guess bad scores but he already so shoot his way into bad scores sometimes you know he 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 doesn't you know know a shot that he doesn't like the rebounding's always being pretty ordinary for someone who's 7-3 but you know I think there's you know potential in Washington and and some of the things that he's doing that the 26.2 average last year is you know super realistic for him to replicate again it's just like an injury thing we've never really had a um, a, other than one season I think of of seeing Chris Stapps Porzingis in his glory so I remember I think I took him around 5 or 6 last year thinking it was a really good pick and at the end of the year he was almost my best average player but like he really kind of just fit into being worth that kind of round investment. Um, and he's, he just wasn't there enough to kind of, you know, pay it back. But I think given, you know, the quality of the people around, it's not a, a bad kind of investment to go in here. I had him a little bit later on my board um, at pick 53. So I think in that essence, 42 potentially, um, you know, is a little bit earlier than you could have got him, but I only kind of had him there again um, due to injury. People I had ahead of him in terms of Brunson at 50, Giddy and Holiday, I think he's a better fantasy player than them. Um, I just think there's a a level of security that you're going to get with other players that you can't with Porzingis, but 
again, if we're we're just going to go all out and we're going to throw everything at the board and see what you know s- sticks, and if it's win it all, um, what is it? If you're not first, you're last kind of mentality. Then let's go all of these guys. I've already risked it on Kyrie and Lillard and Paul George. Let's get Chris Stapps in again as well. So in that essence, I think it's kind of adding up to a fantasy team that could be you know mammoth or can kind of have the wheels fall off in a big way. Um, and that's, you know, that's the way, if you want to play, let's go. I'm, I'm all in on that. <laughs> um, uh, we, we go all the way to, to pick um, 59 now for, for round six, and that's Jamal Murray. Um, again, one that's really curious, you know, he missed all of last year. I think the biggest thing with Jamal Murray is the perception of what he is in fantasy kind of, I think, is altered based on his recognition um, as a player in the league. So he had a habit of getting drafted quite early because, you know, he's this really, you know, interesting, savvy, you know, scorer, shooter kind of guy that's leading a Denver Nuggets team that's really good. You know, he showed out in the playoffs. He showed out at like uh, um, like the All-Star game in one of them, I think, or was it the World versus um, America? I think he won, you know, the the best kind of MVP of that game where he hit a whole bunch of threes. There's these memorable things, and I love him as a player, you know, that says, you know, Jamal Murray is awesome. And I think he is, but in fantasy, we see that his, you know, lack of, you know, assist numbers as a point guard and his real kind of nothing rebounding makes it really kind of high pressure for him to have a string of good games together unless he's really scoring well. So I think we've seen before he had the injury, you know, last year, multiple years in a row where he'd probably get picked a round or two early um, just based on the expectation that, you know, he's, you know, one of the top 10 or so point guards in the league. That he's, he's that means he's a top 10 fantasy point guard in the league and it hasn't really happened. So to say that, you know, I would potentially be looking at him you know, around six or around five, probably around six player if, you know, like last year and it were at the injury. So coming off the ACL, I think it's a, you know, it is another risk to kind of look at um, him here. I think I had him at 71 on my board. Um, so 59, again, it's just, you know, around you know, early for me. Um, but again, I'm putting him on this because I think someone like Keldon Johnson or even Anthony Simons or Kyle Kuzma are going to give me more of a, a base that I can rely on. Um, Jamal Murray, if he kind of you know comes in and shows us that you know he's full health and he's going to lead the Denver like he did, um, you know, pre-injury alongside Nicole Jokic, he's going to give you around six value, I think. Um, but I think the context of all of, of what I said is just what you would um you know manage your expectations for for him coming off a um an ACL for for this year of fantasy moving forward and i think this is the first really solid safe pick um for him <laughs> i think chris middleton is good solid value here at like 62 so i think people you know, he's probably one of the more forgettable players in the NBA, which is, you know, unfortunate for him, um, given, you know, he's a, he's a championship winner alongside Giannis and their second best player. It's just, you know, he doesn't have the 
the allure of this, you know, nice kind of well-rounded fantasy game that kind of gets you excited about, um, you know, projecting forward. But this, you know, solid baseline of 23.7 average last year, I think it's right in his wheelhouse of what he'll kind of replicate. Obviously, he finished the year injured last year, but I don't think there's any real concerns that that's lingering on. Um, the Bucks know who they are. They know how he makes him better. Um, he knows his role. They really missed him last year. I think they'll lean on him again with scoring. Um, to be honest, like I do think, you know, he's he's made leaps as a scorer um, and getting to his spots um, quite a bit in the last or in that year um, where they won the championship and even a little bit last year. So I had him at fifty eight um, on my board. So I think at sixty two is, is is good value and it's someone and <laughs> bucking the trend of getting someone kind of safe but again like a name that you know um so we're, we're seven deep and he's got seven players that i think no one's going to be a bust here like they're all um a solid kind of group there's the injury concerns but you know i think barring you know incidents they're all kind of give you a, a real expected value that's going to make you competitive week to week if they're on the floor so um i kind of i kind of really like um imagining and looking at the core on what it should be um, come week one. So it's looking pretty good. Um, we go down now to D'Angelo Russell at his next pick. So looking at 79 here, someone that I thought was going to slip um, somewhat. And I think, you know, he did and he didn't. He, I had him ranked 80 on my big board. So he's kind of banging where I thought he would go. Um, I guess the thing was, you looking at his average last year, 21.3, I was quite, you know, um, I guess I didn't think it was going to be as high as it was. The The jury is kind of in on what people think D'Angelo Russell is a player. Um, they don't think, you know, he really impacts winning basketball that much. Um, seeing some of the games in playoffs were quite um, <laughs> quite down as a past D'Angelo Russell, you know, fan to see that he was really struggling. The defense is, is super rough. You know, they've got a number of, you know, offensive um options ahead of him um, on that team and when he struggles he struggles but I think the passing's you know elite still I think he complements Anthony Edwards a little bit I know the addition of Rudy Gobert if you listen to Rudy Gobert talking the team media is that um, some people took it as a shot to Donovan Mitchell but I didn't think so I think it was just him kind of propping up D'Angelo Russell as like a point guard that is going to make his life a lot easier and get the ball to him um, with ease and in spots that, you know, hasn't happened in Rudy Gobert's career before. So I think it was more of a shining light to the skill set that the D'Angelo Russell has. We know, you know, when it comes to the, um, you know, crunch times, he, he, well, he wants the big moment. He's the ice in the veins guy. You know, he can score in bunches. He can get to the hoop. Um, he doesn't shoot a lot of free throws, but he's real kind of nifty in terms of his hesitation and he's, um, he's kind of deceptively like... Um, quick finger roll to kind of get under defenders and I think as long as kind of the coaching comes together for Minnesota and they see a role for him in a large kind of way he's going to pay back this position to be drafted um it's just you get down on on some of the you know benchings of last year in the playoffs and um where Minnesota are going and how much he figures into I guess their their um expectations so there's a little bit to be down on with D'Angelo Russell, but I think this is the right place to get him. Don't, don't you know, gamble too much earlier um, and kind of bet on the fact that, again, this is a, a quality of player that you're not going to see 
much of past round eight um, in terms of his draft pedigree and his contract and a few things in terms of that that should translate to a usage rate that is worth a, an investment here at pick 79. So um, it matches up where I would have taken him. And I, I'm a big fan of, of D'Lo still. So um, happy to be on board. Good pick. Um, the next one is one that we'll have to talk about because it's a, a one that kind of got uh, murmurings in the room of DeAndre Hunter at round nine at pick 82. So I think the thing was a lot of people may or may not have had DeAndre Hunter as a player that they were going to target throughout the draft. And if they were, they were going to do it quite late. So um, I think if you're looking purely through that lens in terms of, well, I want to get players that I like just before other people were going to take them, um, I think maybe that's a misstep. But if you kind of know, I'm going to you know rank the players exactly how I think they're going to be and DeAndre Hunter is the next player that I think is going to really take... Um, a step forward and, and give me round name value, then you can sell me on it. I took him around, I think maybe the round 10 or 11 last year. And obviously he was a, a real kind of um, lost sunk cost for me as a fantasy asset. But a lot of that was due to injury. Um, and he kind of looked like he was coming together a little bit at the end of the season. I, I like the idea of DeAndre Hunter. I guess the thing is, um, does he going to get lost in the, the wing rotation? And they kind of solved a few things um, with, you know, Gallinari and, and then Reddish kind of going out. Um, I, obviously, Bogdan Bogdanovich is still there and they bring in Murray, but I think they really eye him in the spot of that kind of 3 and D guy that has a little bit of flow that can do a lot. We're only really, you know, 18 months removed from him having this huge leap and becoming, you know, a 20-plus averaging um, fantasy kind of point scorer. So I can talk my way into his role really increasing and him being an X factor. Um, An average of 13.7 last year, you know, makes for horrific reading. And I guess the problem was last year, he just didn't do anything else in terms of like, He's a really solid three-point shooter, and they put him in positions to do it. But he was super hesitant going to the rim as much. He like just barely rebounded any assists. Like it was a purely kind of scoring um, season for him. And I think some of that's confidence. Um, I I really see him making a big leap this year, but it's it's not really a leap in terms of um, higher usage and stuff. It's just him recapturing the role that I think they've marked for him in their best looking kind of like lineups because the defense is, is still there, I think. Um, so I'm happy to kind of uh, trust, you know, coach confidence to say, you know, he's going to be worth it. Um, I guess the issue is, yeah, I had him on 118 on my board. I did think, you know, you could potentially have got him around or two or three later um, if you really liked him. But I'm happy to kind of put the benefit of the doubt out with a player that I like as like a, a piece and sometimes, you know, they're the inklings you get as like a fantasy coach to say, you know, no, this piece works um, and it's worth kind of thinking that it's going to project outwards to, to a handy fantasy return. So I'm not as down of it as other people, but I can understand why people work because it probably is a bit early than you should have gone. But but yeah, 
that's all in the context of what I said. I'll, I'll stop uh, waffling on too much about DeAndre Hunter so we can give uh, room for Clay Thompson and his next pick at um, 99. So just before we ran out to the 100, um, Clay Thompson's an interesting one, I guess, based on um, where Golden State are and some of the, I wouldn't call it yips, but um, issues he had feeling as comfortable as being the Clay Thompson coming back from injury last year. Um, you know, it was a very kind of up and down, I think, regular season for him. Um, he had, you know, these moments in the playoffs, obviously, that were um, helping his, you know, team catapult towards another championship. So I think, you know, here's probably the, the time to take him. I found, again, like, it's hard to bet on Clay Thompson as Clay Thompson, um, but... I was surprised the 19.6 average last year, you know, puts him as a, a, a real kind of weapon option still moving forward. Do I think, you know, Jordan Poole might be, you know, taking some of the minutes? Are they going to lean on a couple of the younger guys, you know, whether a Moody, Kaminga kind of tick over regular season a little bit more and, you know, manage them through a little bit? I think potentially, but, you know, I think at a pick 99, that's, you know, value for the quality of player that is um, Clay Thompson. So, I think there's a baseline of what you're going to get for him that makes him quite valuable. I had him at 90 on my board, so I do think you know he's got some value here for someone who, when everything kind of goes right, you would have you know invested around five pick in him a couple of seasons ago. So he's getting up there in age, um, but uh, I'm very very happy to invest in him here, uh, and hopefully the three point shooting, which I think will will come back to more of his career average rather than what we saw last season, which was a, a significant. Uh, dip for for a man of his standards, so um, I'm happy with that. Jonathan Isaac is probably I'm I'm gonna repeat myself all the time saying hard one to pick, hard one to place. Jonathan Isaac was the epitome of of where do I put him this year? Because not only has he missed so much basketball, but the Orlando team just looks so much different than what he was when he got injured. And I wasn't sure of exactly what he you know what he gave fantasy wise from day to day when he was playing on an Orlando team that looks vastly different than what it does now. So huge, huge unknown um, for Jonathan Isaac. I I mean I think it's an okay time to kind of really risk it for you if you want to get him at, you know, a pick hundred and two here. Um, I guess the the key thing is where you see him kind of fitting into the rotation and what you think of other um, players on the, the Orlando team. So, spoiler alert, because I think I mentioned in the chat, Orlando have eight players that people have drafted um, from, you know, the league, which is the most of any other team in terms of people are really interested about the quality of the different players that Orlando have got and what the rotation is going to be. So, um, obviously, we're looking at Paolo as, you know, potentially their number one option who, you know, is a rookie who's never played with them before. Um he, he feels a, a void, this switchable kind of, you know, small forward, power forward at a position that they have, you know, Franz Wagner as well. So, uh, you know, I, I think the, the catch-up with the minutes is really curious and interesting. The allure of Jonathan Isaac is that he's this kind of five 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 guy in terms of, you know, point, like he can do everything. He's long, he can defend, he can block, he can get in passing lanes, he can steal, the rebounds are great. The passing, you know, I'm not 100% sure, but it's it's something there. I, I mean, the I, the scoring needs to kind of come, but that was the next leap for him in, with an increased opportunity to kind of show us what we could do. And that was what we we're hoping, you know, just before he got injured. And now, you know, we haven't seen him, um, you know, the best part of 
one and a half seasons now. So what does he look like? I, it's the biggest probably wild card pick that we might even see. Um, so I don't want to really kind of go hard and fast in an opinion, um, which is a cop-out. What I will say is that I had him at 113 on my board. So at 102, um, I think that's okay. If you had him earlier, I would have been um, curious. I, I guess the one thing I will say is I think the floor for him is a lot lower than you'd think and the ceiling may be not as high as you want. Um, I just don't think how he's going to move, you know, get around these other pieces that brought in to be, you know, a top eight um, fantasy pick. And if things go wrong um, and he doesn't fit in and there's injury, like, you know, I just think the floor can be quite low. Like the floor can be like, is he a rosterable player in our league? But we'll see how we go. There's a few teams that I'm most excited for day one and um, the Orlando Magic are right up there to kind of see how everything kind of goes. So they're mandatory watching, I think, for, for the first couple of days in their first game. The other one, I mean, obviously, but um, Brooklyn versus the Pelicans um, is a, a tip-off game for both teams who I'm fascinated to kind of see how things work. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of basketball to be watched, I think, in that first week. Um, interesting though, we go to his next pick and at 119, we've got Victor Oladipo. So, um, if 2015 videos of him dunking is going to get you excited, then, um, <laughs> here we go. Let's hop with the trade of Oladipo this year. I mean, I guess what you can see is obvious in terms of like what he used to be. Um, and there is, I think a clear role for him as a scorer, potentially, as a shooting guard, even in the start, if you think that they've moved on from Duncan Robertson and um, Max Strauss isn't their guy and they're going to go with Hero off the bench. Um, I guess the issue there is that was already a few names who I think kind of rotate through the position. Um, and I think we've seen from Oladipo, I don't know what you can trust of him over you know extensive minutes in a game, let alone a whole season. But I think he's a very interesting one to kind of keep tabs off, especially if you can you know, better on himself to kind of retap into what, um, you know, he has done in the past with Indiana or even he had that season with OKC that was amazing um, back when he first got traded away from the Magic. So, you know, um, still kind of young, I think, in terms of what he could do. It's just, obviously, it's not one injury, it's two or three, and it's all kind of uh, debilitating things for him to kind of deal with at the moment. So, um yeah, we'll see how he kind of goes in the long term. I'm just kind of looking up. So he played, you know, only the eight games uh, last season, but, you know, he had playoffs there too. So it's just super risky. <laughs> he hasn't played more than um, 33 games in the past four seasons. So, um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Um, 75 games in his first season in Indiana in 17-18 and then 36 in 18-19 is the most he's played. So I think it's a, it's a risky one, but one that you've done based on what I've, you know, just the aforementioned opportunity that he might um, be afforded if they're kind of tinkering things to get, you know, what their best lineup is for Miami to, to challenge again um, at the top of the East. So uh, we'll see how we go. I, I wouldn't be like super... Um, hoping for the best I'd be surprised if he if he really delivers you know a consistent workload across game to game to 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 keep him but you know Jesse's been known to to really 
you know, hold steady with guys and maybe patience will be um, paid off. But um, I guess the flip side is, you know, hanging on to him expecting something that he clearly can't do anymore. But I think the narrative of, you know, picking uh, a few of these guys so far in the draft that are well-known kind of, you know, um, expected outlook, you know, maybe blind injury-wise kind of guys um, has built up a little bit of a, a narrative to how kind of Jesse's draft was going. But I think he really kicked that narrative to the curve when he drafted Jaden Ivey at 122. So I think this was the moment a few of them be like, oh, here we go. Jesse's kind of switched on still. He's locked in. Um, and I, I think it's a kind of interesting pick going um, a Detroit rookie here. Um, I think there's in all the kind of same vein as a lot of rookies um, an unknown to, to what it's going to look like. Uh, you know, drafted, he marked as a point guard. You know, I think what he, you know, has said to, you know, um, media and even in his draft night thing is that he doesn't need the ball to play. He could play off Cade and kind of fit into that dual guard combo with him to kind of be a, a really interesting, you know, player of the future there. And I, I do think the, they're going to lean on him to, to get an appropriate amount of minutes to make him fantasy viable from, from an early time. I do think maybe the path towards... Uh, a lot of minutes is is not as easy as some of the other rookies here, but I was kind of made um, silly saying that last season when I thought there might be <laughs> teething period for someone like uh, Josh Giddy, where they kind of threw him the ball straight away next to kind of Shea Gilgis Alexander, and and maybe that's a little bit here with Jaden Ivy. I think um, there's Sadiq Bay, my boy, um, and they've brought in Boyang Bogdanovic, who can you know do a little bit of setting them up if they need. But I think, you know, as we've seen, Detroit are still um, trying to kind of find what their best team is going to look like around Cade moving into the future. And I think they were stoked with having Jade and Ivy kind of, I guess, slip was the word used on draft night, given the Kings went Keegan Murray. But I think um, retrospectively, people aren't really saying that at the moment. But I think he's a, a savvy one and a rookie that, you know, I had, you know, listed to be drafted. So I think... You know, these were the guys um, in terms of, you know, obviously Shet injured, but, you know, Paolo, Keegan Murray, um, and then Jabari Smith Jr. and Jaden Ivey, the ones that I, I really thought rookie-wise needed to be on a list and to get him at round 13, um, I think is, is, is smart, especially because, you know, you've got the, the weight on the next one that is going to be there next time. So, um, yeah, I kind of like for the diversity of the team that um, he's kind of gone with a young rookie player here that I think will play. And um, that's that's as much as I really know about Jaden and Ivy. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But it's an exciting one that makes the team more interesting, I think, and gives that, that variable. So good pick here. Um, all the way back. So the second to last pick now um, at pick 139 is Rashawn Holmes. Um I, the issue with Rashawn Holmes is that, for me, and I think we need to get a little bit of an update of where things sit, is that he was completely out of the rotation uh, with the Kings, not just because of his basketball ability, but because um, of serious um, kind of like child abuse um, allegations. And I hope I'm not going off <laughs> I'm saying it all, but there was there was serious kind of stuff around um, Rashawn Holmes and his his private life, and um, it just kind of spelt you know, that he was a real piece of shit and I'm not sure of his role with the Kings kind of going forward. Um, That's where it sat for me last year and I couldn't really find too much on him 
moving in this year. So based on his average, I kind of was forced, I think, to, to have him on my draft board because I think, you know, the Sabonis things complicates things a little bit and they've kind of gone in the other direction. But Rashawn Holmes had an awful end of the year and still averaged 17.5. So, I mean, maybe there's something there. I had him at 147 purely out of respect of his average and what he's done. But I, I, I just felt like I, I was super unsure of his role enough for, for, to not have him rostered. But um, maybe someone has an answer that I don't in terms of where he, he fits in this year. So we'll see. Um, and then his last pick, he's gone Javel McGee um, at 142. So I think the chatter around um, the league in the last round was kind of people throwing out names and happy to give information. And a couple of um, picks were based on, on people's honest opinions. And one of the opinions were that Javel McGee signed with the Dallas to start a center. Uh, and that was enough for him. Um, and I like what I've heard is that's right. Um, he'll start at center, but he's going to be on that kind of 20-minute um, you know, restriction thing that we've seen a little bit of. So he'll come in, he'll get his value, he'll get some rebounds, maybe he'll get some couple of dunks and kind of uh, check out and, and rest up. Um, and then I think maybe that's when a Christian Wood kind of comes in potentially. But I think you know, as an investment in a last player, especially if you need a center, um, you know, it's something that... Um, you know, looks looks quite good. I think, especially because you can move on if you want, and no no harm, no foul. So, McGee um, was another one. I think I had around the mark to kind of take at the end. So, um, obviously, I, I didn't didn't. He was gone. You know, before my last pick, so I didn't even have the chance. But um, yeah, it's fine. It's good. Um, so I guess overall, it's a, it's an interesting uh, team. Always one that I like to kind of look at <laughs> with Jesse. I think if it comes together, we're we're gonna see a team that's super competitive. I know he's not one to really dabble with um, free agency as much as others, but I do think that this team would be served well to potentially fix some of the issues if. And Oladipo is not really playing that much in the rotation. If Rashawn Holmes is out, um, I th- depending on how Jonathan Isaac goes, I mean, I'd, I'd be bullish that he's bet. But you know, if you can tinker a little bit and the top comes together, his his real first seven players, I think, are you know, bona fide um, all star kind of guys that we've seen that if they can stay on the court. Um, are going to give you super duper value. So fingers crossed for, for health always. Um, and I think if you're just anchored by the elite um, talent that is Antetokounmpo, um, that fixes up a lot of problems that you <laughs> that you might have. So I think it's a real interesting team. I think his best pick, um, I'm, I'm leaning towards Kyrie Irving, which makes me feel like a super homer. I don't love it. I bet I do think that he's going to play through everything because I think he's um, a proud person in terms of his money and in a contract year, I don't think he wants to be pointed as the person to blame. And even if Brooklyn suck and things go to shit and he gets selfish, he's like, I'm just going to get mine. I like, I, I, I think at 39, that's kind of hu- huge value. Um, and that's mainly because I think he's picked a lot of people at the right time or uh, around about with so ones that stand out as like a really good pick I think this is the one at the end of the year we might can be going oh yeah of course like he's a top 25 guy so um we'll go with Kyrie Irving there I think his worst pick 
is 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 hard. Um, if I was mean, I'd say DeAndre Hunter because I do think he's twenty to thirty picks earlier than you could have. Um, but potentially, Rashawn Holmes is the guy who I think is just a squib um, and not going to be value. But that might be thrown in my face if he's actually got a role. Anyway. Um, Wild card, we kind of spoke about. I think Jonathan Isaac's just like, who Who knows? Uh, I'm really interested in seeing him. And the sleeper, let's go with um, Jaden IAV um, or even D'Angelo Russell. I just throw out all the names. We'll go through one by one. <laughs> uh, let's land on Jaden IV. Uh, I'm interested to see to see what he is this year. And 122, um, we've seen, is worth uh, a roll of dice on a rookie these days. So... Oh, good. Another another team in the can. Um, evening out or around forty five minutes again. So that's sweet. Um, hopefully that was that was succinct and, and together and um, enjoyable for everyone still listening. So um, thanks again. We'll count down the days until we've got NBA basketball. But till then, let's pump up the podcast and let's do it. I buck, I get bucket style. Love to have you here. Um, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.